everybody. Welcome to Coach's Corner. I have a really motivated, inspiring guest for you today. I think you're really going to enjoy. Before we dive in, a couple things I want to share with you. The early bird discount to my spring retreat ends November 30th. That's just around the corner. If you haven't heard me talk about my spring retreat, let me give you a quick synopsis. If you are wanting more clarity, more confidence, more self-acceptance, more self-love. If you feel like you've been working on yourself for years, maybe decades and things aren't changing. If you really want to heal some of the deep issues that you haven't been able to get to, if you want to feel more connected to a like-minded tribe of women and feel like you accept and belong and so much more, then this is the right retreat for you. This is not a sit in a chair and take notes kind of retreat. This is a highly experiential change your life kind of retreat. And like I said, the early bird discount ends November 30th. If you think you get benefit from the podcast coaching sessions, that's just microscopic compared to what you'll receive when you join us at the spring retreat. You can learn more at christinehasler.com slash spring dash retreat, or you can email jill at christinehasler.com. There's another event that I've mentioned before that I want to tell you about that's hosted by my dear friend, Lori Harder and Lindsay Schwartz. Their event is called Event Love, and it's a boot camp for speakers and event hosts who are looking to put on events and make a profit. You can learn from Lori and Lindsay, who I can say firsthand throw epic events that are also profitable. You'll learn how to craft and deliver your message, how to utilize speaker secrets and tools to overcome anxiety, nerves, and event mishaps, how to facilitate hearts centered experiences and exercises that will transform life, how to run breakouts, meditations, visualizations, how to manage the energy in the room, and so much more. So Event Love is for coaches who want an arsenal of skills and multiple profit streams, women with a dream to run events of any size, speak on stage and share their message, people craving ninja-like facilitation and connection skills to elevate their existing business and create additional income streams. So to check it out, and I highly recommend you check it out, go to christinehasler.com slash event love. And love is spelled L-U-V. So E-V-E-N-T-L-U-V. And I really am a fan of going to multiple events. I think that there's so much magic that can happen through podcasts, through online courses, through all of that. And the magic that happens when you're in a room with other like-minded people, oh my gosh, it's just a different kind of magic. So make sure that you're getting to events multiple events. I go to multiple events each year and I just love them because I learn so much. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest today, Keisha. Keisha Fitzgerald is an ex-corporate professional turned online health coach, business mentor, and podcaster obsessed with helping women take purpose-driven action towards building lives they freaking love. Her mission is to be a light to others, to give others the space to be their most authentic selves and build their dream life on their terms. She lives by the airplane mentality that you can't help or assist others until you work on yourself first, meaning you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on others. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for the week. You know that I am a big fan of seeking coaching or counseling. So if there's something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, then BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, 
grief, self-esteem, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential and it's so convenient. You can get help at your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat or text with your therapist. If you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time, no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option for my listeners. You get 10% off your first month with discount code over it. Again, 10% off your first month with discount code over it. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com, simply fill out a questionnaire, help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you love. Again, betterhelp.com slash over it. And now on to my inspiring talk with Keisha. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. Christine, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. So I wanted to start with a big decision that you just made. So you're engaged and you had a wedding date set and you decided to postpone it after you had the date set. And I'm sure you told people about the date and that's a big decision. And I know for a lot of my listeners, one, sometimes they have trouble making a decision. And two, if they made a big decision like that, it'd be very hard to change it because what will people think and what does this mean and all that that kind of stuff. So can you walk us through how you made this decision and allowed yourself to change your mind? Absolutely. So I've been in a relationship with my fiance for 10 and a half years. So already having been with someone for that long, um, we've had a lot of pressure of like, why aren't you guys getting married? Why aren't you doing this? And a lot of, you know, questions that I'm sure the listeners can relate to of other people's expectations. So we ended up getting engaged. We were so excited about it. We booked our venue, paid our deposit. And a couple months later, we're realizing that we have so many other passions and things that we want to put our energy into right now at this stage in our life that planning a wedding sounded like it wasn't going to be fulfilling for us. And it wasn't something that we really needed to do right now. So where the decision came from was kind of asking ourselves, like, whose rules are we playing by? Because I want to build a life that I love and that Mm -hmm. he loves and that we're excited about together, not what society thinks that I should be doing at this age or stage of life or at this tenure in my relationship, or even what my best friends want or what my parents want. Because when we were asking ourselves the questions of what we actually want and where we want to focus our energy, I started to feel this like release of let's just postpone it. Let's just, why, why now we can do whatever we want. We can make our own timeline. So it felt really freeing and a lot of people didn't understand it, but we did. And it's just made me realize kind of when you do understand your own decision and you can stand true in it, it feels good to you. And the person that's the most important to you, then it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. what anyone else thinks. It's so true. It's so true. And that is such a good lesson to learn as early in life as possible. (laughs) Because when we live our life for other people or according to other people's expectations, one, it influences our decisions. And two, we have to live with the consequences of those decisions. So for me, I'd much rather have people judge me or people say things or people be upset than live a life of not really allowing myself to chart my own course and listen to my own intuition. Because I found that the more I don't listen to my intuition, the softer and quieter it gets because I'm not exercising that muscle and I'm listening more to fear and I'm listening more to expectation. So Is that something that has been a North Star for you is really tuning in to your inner knowing, even when it doesn't make sense? 
Absolutely. And I think what it's another byproduct of that, that's been really powerful in my life is when I'm sure of myself and honoring, even if it doesn't make sense on paper, and I'm just kind of going with that inner gut feeling, that intuition, I also find that I'm less concerned with ever disproving another person's path to be quote unquote wrong, right? It like kind of solves itself when you really love your own path, because you're not even comparing yourself to other people's past because it feels so right to you that you can love them for what they're doing because it feels right to them. Mm-hmm. And that's helped a lot, even just with comparison, which I think in this stage of life, you know, I'm 30 years old and I'm building a business. That's a lot of it's on social media. I mean, there's a lot of different moving parts going on, but it helps a lot with the comparison where I can honor my path and I'll never try and disprove someone else's wrong as long as they're doing what's right for them. Mm-hmm. You have a story that is so common (laughs) these days in terms of leaving your professional career and moving into the self-empowerment industry. It seems like such a call for people. So first, let's start. My first question is why? Like, what were you doing? Why did you go? And what finally gave you the guts to go? Yeah. So I was working uh, in downtown Seattle as an IT project manager. My background's in engineering recruiting. And I had all of these things on paper. I had, you know, gone to school and I got the corporate or I went to college and I got the corporate job and started working my way up. And I was seeing a lot of success. I didn't have my back against the wall. I didn't have poor managers, or I actually really enjoyed my career path, but I had this gut feeling that I literally could not shake. That was like, there's something else out there for you. There's something else you should be doing, but it didn't make sense to me from like a logical standpoint, but that was never really how I made decisions anyway. So I don't know why I really followed this path. But, um, what happened is as I was feeling this confusion of what I should do next in my life, I decided because I can't figure out what I want to do, I'm going to focus on one thing that I can work on that I can improve in myself, which for me happened to be my health and fitness goals because I was working as a project manager, like I said. So the team that I was working with was partially in China. And so because of the time difference and just crazy working hours, I was really trying to hustle for my worthiness and my career and just work my way up the ladder. But I still had this gut feeling that I wanted to do something else. So instead of trying to figure out what that thing was, I decided I would work on one thing that I knew was bothering me, which was my own health and fitness goals and some body image issues that I was working on, which uh, as women, we can identify with body image issues. So I decided to start a fitness program called P90X, which is made by a company named Beachbody, which is a network marketing company. And I ended up getting into that and starting to find a lot of passion and connecting with other women that were also working on their health and fitness journey while trying to balance their careers. And that was really kind of what took me down this path of wanting to become an entrepreneur and wanting to really help people with their mindset and their growth and, and pushing through some of these blocks and really just understanding themselves more and doing the thing that feels right for them. I ended up building that business on the side. And my now fiance and I moved from Seattle to New York City, where he started at NYU Dental School. And I worked at my dream company, which was Google, and really got the test of like, is this side thing that you're working on that you're fulfilled by? Is this really going to trump this perfect, you know, job on paper that everyone is giving you celebration for that everyone gives you this credibility for, and that you're making a name for yourself? Do you really want that thing? And I did. So I worked really hard on it before and after work and ended up surpassing my income with it. So it was kind of like an opportunity cost situation for me to leave the corporate world, 
and pursue this business. And now it's only just developed me more down this road and wanting to just serve people and be really honest about how messy this transition stage can be and how confusing it is at this age when there's so many options, you can feel overwhelmed by choices. And there's so many people that have an opinion and it's just listening to yourself is tough, but it's so worth it. Well, and I think it's true for any age. And I have a lot of listeners who aren't in their twenties and thirties who are more in fifties and sixties. And especially a lot of women who are either leaving the corporate world or now they're finally empty nesters and they, they want to do something that really matters to them. And I think a lot of times they hear people in their twenties and thirties and go, well, it's so much easier that like technology comes easier. Um, you, you have less to lose. Um, you're younger, you're more approachable, you're more attractive, whatever their stories may be. Yeah. So what would you say to that group that might use the excuse? I'm too old. It's too late. I think what's really powerful about knowing that you want to do something. So regardless of your age, but let's say you're a 55 year old woman and you know, in your gut that you want to create something, whether that's start a podcast or a blog or a business, or just create something that's really fulfilling in your life. Someone out there needs to see you doing it. Like she's not going to connect with me. Maybe if we don't have the same path, but she's going to connect with you and your apprehension around starting that thing because of all of the reasons that you think that you can't that's the reason to do it because someone needs to see your example and someone's going to connect with you in a more deep way because your story is so unique and powerful because of all of your experience that got you to where you're at, the mindset, the belief that you have now, that's going to serve someone that needs to hear you that won't connect with that person that you've deemed it's easier for. So maybe it won't feel easy. And I don't think that all things that are great are going to feel easy. I think you're going to be really proud of yourself for navigating through the feelings that you're feeling around this and some of these stories that you're telling yourself that aren't serving you and doing it because it's the right thing for you to do for yourself, but also for the woman out there who needs to see your exact example of this being modeled. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with imposter syndrome or like, you know, that in your mind, but you can't seem to get it in your actions, in your body. Like you, every time you go to do something, you may get stuck or you may have that imposter syndrome come up. How do you deal with that? Yeah. So the first thing I think is really just knowing what I want and being as clear as I can internally about like, what is it that I actually want? And if I find myself dealing with imposter syndrome, I know it's because I'm not thinking about how I want to serve someone, or I'm not thinking from the place of how is this process going to be fulfilling? I'm thinking about someone else's opinion of me where I'm worried about, Oh, if I go in there and I'm, and I suck at this, like, what's she going to think about me? But in reality, I think we have to start and suck a little bit because when we do something and it doesn't go well, we get to learn and get feedback and we can take that and apply it and approach it differently next time and be even more qualified to approach it. So the way for me to get myself out of it is two things. One is get really intentional about saying like, what is it that I actually want? What is this feeling that I'm feeling and try and really understand what that is. And the second thing is, this is weird, but it's really helpful is I'll play it all out. If I'm going to start something new or I'm feeling this imposter syndrome, I will play it all out to the absolute worst case scenario. And I don't know if this is healthy. You tell me, but I play it out and I'm like, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Someone doesn't like it. Someone doesn't buy my products. Someone doesn't like my podcast. Someone whatever has something to say. I didn't die. 
Yeah. (laughs) And I did the thing that I felt called to do. So as long as I'm not going to die, I'm going to be okay because I'm going to learn something. So I think imposter syndrome is interesting because it is that you're thinking more about someone else's perception of you rather than thinking of what, of just honoring that gut feeling in you of what you feel called to do, because I don't think that's in you by accident. I think that's in you for you to figure out how to navigate getting it out and sharing it with the world. And that's your gift. And the work is figuring out how to get out of your own way to actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I I actually think the playing it out to the worst case is very, very helpful because then we can go, all right, worst case scenario, like, would I be okay? Yeah. And is the risk of maybe, maybe, maybe that happening, which is very, very small percentage, is it worth taking to the, to achieve or feel the potential of what could come from this if it goes well, you know, in terms of feeling fulfilled, in terms of feeling accomplished, in terms of touching someone else's lives, all of those things. So I think we all, I know one thing that you really love to coach on is mindset. Do you think there's a one size fits all mindset approach, or do you think it's, it's an individual we need to figure out what's best for our own mind? And if so, how do we do that? Like, how do we figure out how to mindset coach ourselves the best? Yeah, I absolutely think it's individual. I mean, I don't think that anything can be prescribed to everyone because everybody has completely different experiences and perspectives on the world and influences around them and stories that they're playing on repeat in their head. So I think it's really getting down to asking yourself better questions and figuring out what those questions are that are going to open up those little pockets in your brain that will help you get more focused on what you actually want and why you want it. And I think sometimes, at least I've noticed with myself is when I'm working towards something or when I have an idea, it's like this, this like self-confirming bias wants to kick in sometimes and look for all of the reasons that it might not work, but I can just as easily look for all the reasons why it can. And it's catching those thoughts when you're in it and saying, wait a second, is this thought serving me? It's going to serve me somehow. So either I'm going to need to, you know, like I know you love to talk about, feel the feelings of it, or I'm going to need to figure out a way to learn something here so that it can serve me so I can grow through everything that I'm going through and keep going. So to answer, no, absolutely not. I don't think that there's something that's prescriptive to everyone, but I do think everyone can get a little bit more intentional about first catching their thoughts and asking themselves better questions in terms of, are these thoughts serving me? And if they're not, do I need to feel the feels or do I need to look for a different meaning that I can create that can help me keep moving forward so that I can just kind of keep staying in motion and figure this out? Because I just don't think that it always feels good to grow. And sometimes it feels so crappy to grow. And I think we we sometimes think that that resistance when we're met with that means we shouldn't keep like pushing forward. But I think if we can control um, the thoughts in our head and catching them, that that's a really powerful first step. Yeah. I love what you said too. control the thoughts in our head in terms of catching them because we can't always control the thought. My my friend, Melissa, I don't know if she got this from somewhere else, but she says, I'm not responsible for my first thought, but I'm responsible for the thoughts that follow it. And I love that because sometimes I have sucky thoughts. My thoughts are not that great. And then I can, and then if I don't catch them, then that just goes into a downward spiral. But if I really, you know, know that some thoughts are just habitual, some thoughts are reactionary, but I can catch them in the moment and 
and then choose a different thought. I think that that that's massive. Um, have there been any other mindset tools that have really, really helped you? Because I think with these things, like the practical things really, really help people. Yeah. So one thing that's really simple that I think is often not common practice is actually figuring out what your priorities are. Because I think we like to give a lot of lip service to like my family or my relationships or my health or whatever it is. But if I were to open up your planner right now, what's actually reflected in your schedule? And what are you actually putting down in your planner? Because for me, I know that if I'm not healthy and feeling good about myself, it's going to be really hard for me to do anything else with the type of you know enthusiasm that I want to do things with, whether that's work or relationships. So in my planner, you're going to see things scheduled like workouts and meal prep and making sure that I'm being intentional about what's going into my body and really treating myself with respect. So that's on my planner. And I'm also sitting down on Sunday nights with my fiance and we're mapping out our week. We're making sure that we're scheduling this unplugged time where we're not within an arm length distance of our phones or any type of media, social media or any of that crap. And we're intentionally spending time together. I'm intentionally spending time with girlfriends or family or whatever it is. And I'm actually just planning out my priorities before everything else gets in the way. And I know that's really seems very basic, but how many people can actually say that their calendars are planned by their priorities being planned first Mm. and honoring that? Can you give an example of that? Yeah. So, you know, for example, workouts are getting scheduled, date nights getting scheduled, um, you know, unplugged time is getting scheduled when I'm going to do my own personal work, like personal growth mindset, whether that's listening to podcasts, I'm very intentional about mapping that out proactively. And then everything else gets added in there afterwards. So for example, um, I like to call it like the cake of your day are the things that I want to do to, um, that day to move my things, to move myself forward. So I'll pick three things that are part of the cake and everything else is sprinkles on top. It's my fun little analogy that keeps me excited. I love where that. I'm, where I'm picking three things that are most important for me to move the needle forward, whether that's in my business or whatever it is that I'm working on and everything else is extra. And it helps because when you have three things that you're working on for the day that are the highest priority, what's cool is you can put that first one that maybe is going to take the least amount of time as you're the first thing that you get done. So you get that endorphin hit and that confidence boost of starting to make momentum, you know, get at your back and starting to move forward. And I think sometimes our to-do lists are so long or we get super excited and we make this massive list of all these things that we're going to do. And when we only get a couple of things done, all of a sudden we're telling ourselves these crappy stories. Like I'm a failure. I can never do this. Why did I try? Like I knew it wouldn't work out. And then we're just spiraling down into this dark pit. So while it sounds simple, it's so powerful if you sit down and you map out what are the things that actually matter to me? What makes me feel happy and fulfilled? I know that if I don't have a date night with my fiance and I don't have quality unplugged girl time and I don't have time where I'm not even close to my phone, I know that if I don't have that plus workouts, I'm not going to be a happy, fulfilled person as an individual. So those have to be scheduled first. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of like overwhelm and nasty feelings associated with that. If I've got a massive to-do list and I don't feel like I'm making progress. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to shift gears for a second because you have a lot of experience in sales, correct? Correct. Which is awesome. Salespeople, yes. people with experience in sales is awesome. So 
for the people that have a little trouble in sales, and this could be anything from, you know, they have a business and they have a hard time putting themselves out there. They're really maybe good at coaching or healing, but when it comes to asking for money or selling themselves, not so good. Or in their job, they're really nervous about asking for a raise, which is also selling yourself. Or just in life, you know, I, I, I give the, I give the example a lot of when I moved to a new city, I had to like make new friends and ask people out on friend dates and that's selling in a way too, yeah, is anytime you're asking for something. So what do you think has made you good at sales and what advice would you have for people that really have a hard time with it? So I think sales is a beautiful thing and I don't have any negative connotations to the word sales. But I think to start, a lot of people feel like salespeople are yucky or gross. And they have this weird mindset towards the word sales. But in reality, like you just said, we're constantly selling. We're selling someone on our idea of like, if your parents, you're selling your kids on the idea of going to bed at a certain time, right? You're selling your idea on what movie you're going to watch with your husband, whatever it may be. So we are constantly doing this. But I think if you are in a heart-based type profession where you are like, but I just want to serve people. I just really want to impact people. You have to understand that to sustain that mission and keep it going, there's going to have to be a monetary transaction, but your monetary value that you're earning is because of the impact that you're making. And if you feel like what you have to offer is going to change lives, it's up to you to do the work around your money mindset, to get out of your way, to actually serve them with this thing. And I think what's helped for me a lot with sales is really at first when I did feel that negative connotation towards the word sales is I really started to think of myself as like a solution provider where I was like, okay, what is the solution that I have to someone's problem? Because any type of sales, uh, there's some sort of problem. And if we can seek to understand the person that we're connected with and understand where their pain points are, then we're literally just looking into our tool, like into our toolbox, essentially of what do we have that we could offer to provide them comfort or ease or an easier way to do this or save them time, the most valuable commodity, what do we have that we can offer them? So if you are in a business where you have a product or you have a service that you really believe in, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that you might have some blocks there that you need to work through. But at the same time, it gets easier when you really start to believe in what you have to offer. Mm. And Sitting down with a pen and paper, this has been really helpful for women that I've mentored in building network marketing businesses, sitting down and saying, why do I think this could serve someone? Who would I be most excited to serve this with? How could I help her? Where am I going to take her from this place to that place? Why is this going to matter to her? What types of messages am I going to get from her? Or what's the phone call going to look like that she's going to say to me after she goes through this program or uses this product? How is this going to impact her? And how am I going to feel from being the person that got to have a hand in that. So it's this combination of, I think, number one, understanding that you probably have some blockage with the word sales, because I think a lot of society constructs this weird thing around sales and money. Um, and number two would be getting really intentional about changing the word to something that feels good for you. And solution provider is a really easy one, or really thinking about that end goal of the person that you're most excited to serve and how that's going to help her. And not forgetting that it's going to help you feel really awesome that you had your hand in helping her do that. So mm. I don't know if that's kind of the direction you're looking for. No, but. no, I love it. I love it because I think that the biggest thing that gets in people's way about sales is just insecurity. And yeah. 
making it more about your own fear of rejection than like what you can actually offer someone. Yeah. When someone, it was, I was out to dinner the other night with some friends and, um, the guy has been in sales for like 20 years. And I said, how do you deal with rejection? He's like, rejection is my core wound. And I go, that must be a double whammy. He goes, well, I just see each no as like a not now or a not yet, or an I'm not ready. And I only get triggered if I take it personally. And I was like, that's absolutely true. You're only going to get hurt or upset if you take it personally. So when you've gotten no's, how have you reframed that inside yourself so that you could keep going and it wasn't, it didn't set you back? Yeah. Well, I actually, to kind of echo what he said, I, I actually expect them and I really don't, um, attach myself to the outcome of the sale. So for example, um, if I'm asking someone to join something, like say you have a product or a program and you're asking them to be part of it and they tell you, no, okay, that's great. You need, you need to have no's so that you can keep building a relationship with that person to show that you really care about that person. And you weren't just talking to them to see if they would say yes, straight out the gates. Cause you were ready and maybe they weren't. And on top of that, when they do say no, or they're not interested, but you've disassociated um, yourself with the outcome of it. You're looking at this as a beautiful opportunity that you're paying forward, where when you're asking someone if they want to be part of your program or they want your product or whatever it may be now moving forward, they're looking at you. And if you're putting out sales copy or, you know, you're on sales calls, you're doing webinars or social media, they're watching through the lens of someone that's been asked to do it. And you asking them is now they're validated and thinking that they could maybe do that thing too, or maybe they would be a good fit for that program or for your product. It doesn't mean they're ready. We can't control, you know, how someone goes from knowing you to liking you to trusting you. Cause that process takes a different amount of time for each person. But I think it's really powerful. If you look at this as you asking them to do this, or you, you approaching them with this program or product or whatever you have, and knowing that you're planting the seed for them to watch you through a different lens is so powerful So you're not actually asking them for them to say yes. You're asking for them to look at it through a lens that maybe they could do it too, or maybe this could serve them. And then when they're ready, because you're consistent and you're heart-based and you're doing this because you really care, they'll come back around. Mm, mm, I love that. So good. So good. So tell us what you're passionate about now. You left this corporate industry. You were in multi-level marketing for a while. Now you're making another transition. So you're, you're awesome at making transitions. <laughs> What's the transition you're in right now? And what are you really excited about? Yeah. What I'm really excited about right now is the podcast that I have called Empower Her Podcast and developing a community of women that are just trying to figure it out. I want to be alongside women because it's so confusing <laughs> to just be in this state where you're like, what do I want? What do I not want? And I don't think that that's age specific. Um, but I do think it's really powerful to join forces with other women that say like, I get it. I'm there too. And so I'm very obsessed with cultivating community around mindset and people that are really in this growth mindset of wanting to evolve as people and understanding that it's going to be messy, but it's going to be worth it. So Right now I have a podcast and I'm working on developing a community group and some other projects that are coming down the pipeline here. Um, and that's where I'm at now. I still have a network marketing business that I love, but really it exposed me to how much potential there is in this world right now, regardless of your age or stage of life, there's opportunities are endless. Like I think of my grandma who she didn't have the opportunities that we have today to impact people in a massive way and to do something that feels 
so fulfilling. So I just think because we have the opportunity, we need to go do something about it if we feel called to do that, you know? Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for continuing to listen to your intuition. Thank you for, you know, being so honest and open with the transitions you're making. And I just think it's very, very inspiring that when something feels off, be it your first job, be it the the second thing you went into, be it the the wedding ceremony, Mm -hmm. like you are willing to pivot. And that's massive because I think too many of us think that we make a decision. The word decide has the word side and that genocide, homicide, suicide. And so some of our brain thinks we're going to kill something off, but really it's a pivot. It's a, not this, not now, something different. And we need to give ourselves permission for for pivoting. So thank you for being an inspiration for that permission. Thank you so much. And where can people find you? My favorite social media platform is Instagram. It's Keisha, K-A-C-I-A Fitzgerald. My podcast is called Empower Her. And then everything else is at KeishaFitzgerald.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christine. Appreciate you. 